Welcome to TIFF Talk, sponsored by Endogastric Solutions, a podcast that interviews physicians and real-life patients about the most common gastrointestinal disorder, GERD, commonly known as chronic acid reflux. Listen to patients and physicians interact, break down the disease from different perspectives, and learn how taking the next step in your treatment can change your life. For our audio listeners, you can see visuals on our YouTube channel at GERD Help. The TIF procedure may or may not be appropriate for your health condition. Only your doctor can explain the benefits and risks of all treatment options. Results may vary. Visit GERDHelp.com for more clinical data. The TIF procedure for reflux was developed by Endogastric Solutions Incorporated. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining our TIFF Talk. Uh, my name is Lynn McFadden. I'm with Endogastric Solutions, and it's my pleasure to welcome my colleague Karen Gerth to the session tonight as well. Hi, Karen. Our special guest speaker this evening is Dr. Jetinder Pruthi. Welcome, Dr. Pruthi. Thank you, Lynn. And along with us is Dr. Pruthi's patient, Delilah. She's coming to share her story about her reflux journey and having the TIF procedure only a few months ago, huh, Delilah? Uh, yeah, less than three months ago. Wonderful. Thank you all for joining us. I'd like to first let you know that this is a live Facebook um, event. So uh, please feel free to post any questions you have in the chat session or chat segment of the session, and we'll do our best to feed those to Dr. Pruthi and or Delilah during the segment. I also want to take a brief moment just to give a proper introduction to uh, Dr. Pruthi so you all know his background. Dr. Pruthi has been practicing as a gastroenterologist now for over 20 years. He graduated from the prestigious government medical college in Patalia, Punjab, India, and completed his residency in internal medicine at New York Methodist Hospital in Brooklyn, New York. He then went on to complete his fellowship in gastroenterology that included advanced training in therapeutic endoscopy, ERCP, and transplant hepatology at the Los Angeles Medical Center. So again, welcome to our TIFF talk this evening, Dr. Pruthi, and thanks for being here. Thank you for the kind introduction, Lynn. You bet. How about we um, launch the session tonight with you just giving us a medical definition of what GERD is so folks on the session can understand that a little better. Yes, GERD stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease. It's a process where the gastric um, stomach contents back up in the esophagus and they regurgitate up and then, you know, it can be acid or any alkaline contents or any kind of content that backs up in the esophagus is called gastroesophageal <clears throat> reflux disease. It happens because, uh, you know, this junction where the esophagus and stomach, you know, meet, normally there's a sphincter called lower esophageal sphincter. So that, um, you know, opens and relaxes to let the food into the stomach. So when we swallow food, we eat food, it goes from the esophagus. Um, through this lower esophageal sphincter into the stomach and uh, then sphincter closes again so that nothing backs up. But if that sphincter is not working properly, it remains open, it relaxes too much, 
um, or there is a, some anatomical discomfort you know, problem has happened, um, then the contents from the stomach back up in the esophagus, and then patients will come with the um, reflux uh, symptoms. Okay, wonderful. Thanks for that definition. Um, so can GERD ever go away on its own, Dr. Prithi? Um, no, it, because the problem is mechanical. No? <clears throat> so the sphincter is weak, acid keeps backing up. So they will require some treatment. Yeah. Um, so the symptoms are they'll come back with acid reflux. I mean, uh, a burning sensation. A lot of people will say burning sensation happens. Acid burns the esophagus. They'll feel hot in this area, or they may have pain. Uh, because when the acid backs up, it may cause the esophageal spasm, and that can cause pain. Or the acid backs up and they burp. You know? Sometimes the acid fumes rise up, and they, they inhale those, and people can come with uh, asthma. And if the acid backs up too much, even people can come with hoarseness of the voice, or they can come with dental caries. <clears throat> A lot of people who don't feel acid reflux, heartburn, typical symptoms, and they end up with the... Uh, ENT specialist for hoarseness of the voice, and then they go and they check it out. They say, oh, go back to gastroenterologist and see if there is uh, you know, acid reflux happening, so how can we fix them? So the short answer is, no, it's not going to go away by itself. Either we you know, take care of the medicine. I mean, if we take care of this disease process with the medicine, or we do something to fix the mechanical defect. Right, thank you. And thank you for covering some of the uh, typical and atypical symptoms uh, that people might be experiencing. So if someone has uh, reflux or GERD, how is it that they are typically managing that? Actually, a lot of people <clears throat> have um, acid reflux symptoms. About 40, 50 million people in this country have acid reflux uh, symptoms. You know? um, and heartburn happens with many uh, things. So how people manage them, normally, you know, um, they will try to avoid things which cause the acid reflux, which cause, make their symptoms worse. Commonly, those are, you know, acidic foods, fatty fried foods, you know, examples <clears throat> like, um, you know, anything that's fried and cheesy and creamy, or they have, um, you know, the tomato sauce in there, <clears throat> and if they have carbonated drinks, um, they're drinking, um, you know, coffee, uh, alcohol. Uh, so these things make the symptoms worse. And people, um, as with, you know, they have the disease process, they, they get experience. So they try to avoid these things and try to control their symptoms. So lifestyle modification goes so far. You know? And plus, it's difficult to maintain the lifestyle modification all the time. You know? Um, then next step comes, they try to take some over-the-counter um, you know, acid reducers, some like, you know, which are uh, the medicines which will neutralize the acid. Some medicines will reduce the acid production. So they are over-the-counter products. You know? People take those um, on and off and on and off. <clears throat> and then finally, um, they check with their primary doctors. They, they get the prescription acid reducer medicines. And um, then those don't work after a while. Then they refer to a gastroenterologist. So by the time they come to us, so they have already tried so many things. 
and they're looking for something concrete. So how are we going to help them to uh, take care of uh, their disease process and prevent all the complications? Right, so those lifestyle modifications, um, diet, exercise, and all those things, um, including the PPI medication management, oftentimes when, when those aren't working or working long-term, it's time for folks to maybe seek another, uh, another option or another intervention. Um, and so we talked a little bit about those types of uh, methods to manage GERD. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about more about procedural interventions in a, in a second, but um, can you tell us a little bit about how what, what's involved in the diagnostics? So how do people know they actually have GERD versus just, uh, you know, a, a cough or something that they might otherwise ignore or not put a lot of weight into? What would they do to go through the diagnostics to find out? So first of all, the symptom, if they have typical symptoms, <clears throat> Um, then it's pretty simple. You know? They take the medicine for acid control and the symptoms go away. So that means there is you no know, therapeutic test has happened. Okay, there is reflux. <clears throat> then atypical symptoms may not respond to typical PPI therapies quickly. Um, when they come to us, then we do the diagnostic testing. <clears throat> so first test is uh, endoscopy. So we do um, um, EGD, um, that is, um, they are empty stomach overnight, come to the endoscopy center or the hospital. So we have a long tube with a video camera on the tip called endoscope. We go through the mouth and uh, take a look. That tells us if there's a damage going on to the esophagus uh, lining in terms of acid reflux, acid, you know, as the acid backs up, it eats the esophageal lining and uh, it can cause erosions or ulcers or stricture formation, it can narrow or the lining changes into Barrett's lining, which is precancerous condition. So this gives us a lot of information about um, and just visually looking at it. And then we can take a little tissue sample called biopsy sample, look under the microscope and see how much uh, damage is going on. Then we can measure the amount of acid backing up. It's a pH uh, test where we can we can attach a little a pH sensitive probe to the distal lower esophagus about six centimeters above the lower esophageal sphincter and that um, and then we send that monitor home with the patient and monitor them for 96 hours or 48 hours <clears throat> and that tells us objectively how much acid is backing up and then we can correlate with the symptoms and that gives us information at what time of the day acid reflux is happening. You know? Or it may be happening at night time or after taking food or all times of the day so we can calculate a score to find out objectively you know what the severity of the disease process is um, so and then there are other tests we can do uh, to measure the esophageal motility whether esophagus is moving properly or not or clearing the acid so these are the some advanced tests that we can uh, do to um, grade the disease process Wonderful. Thank you for that. Um, in that assessment, are you also looking for a hiatal hernia? A lot of folks come to the table asking about uh, what role a hiatal hernia could play in reflux and GERD. Well, I'm glad you brought up the hiatal hernia topic. Is, <clears throat> uh, thank you for that. Mm, let me explain what hiatal hernia is. No? So normally, 
we have uh, esophagus in the chest and uh, stomach is in the abdomen and at the you know the junction of abdomen and chest you know, there is a muscle called diaphragm you know? so that's a muscle that separates the chest and the abdomen and the esophagus travels through the diaphragm muscle into the abdomen so that is called as diaphragmatic hiatus opening in the diaphragm hiatus means opening now if that hiatus the opening is bigger uh, is wider than um, usual and the stomach tends to move up into the chest so that is called the hiatal hernia the hernia stomach is herniating into the chest through the diaphragmatic hiatus <clears throat> now depending on the degree of um, the width of the diaphragmatic diaphragmatic hiatus the degree of hernia happens and then you know a lot of times three centimeter four centimeter five centimeter many times lot of the stomach whole of the stomach can be moved up into the chest also so that is hiatal hernia <clears throat> now if that happens the acid gets trapped into the hiatal hernia in the chest and that it can erode the lining quickly and cause burns acid burns erosions ulcers which can bleed and cause pain <clears throat> if that is a condition then uh, we temporarily we can control it with medicine to you know reduce the acid production but ultimately we have to fix the hiatal hernia bring the stomach back into the abdomen and fix it there make the diaphragmatic hiatus the diaphragmatic opening smaller so that the stomach doesn't back up into the uh, chest Excellent, thank you. Um, Karen, I think we'll pause here for a minute. I, there are some questions coming in in the chat. Um, I'll address some of those quickly and then we'll uh, introduce Delilah to tell her story as well. Wonderful, thank you. Um, I do have a couple questions uh, around PPIs and medications. Uh, one of the questions is, are there medications that cause GERD symptoms to get worse? Um, certain medications which can reduce the lower esophageal sphincter pressure, you know, which do, those can, um, you know, bring about the acid reflux symptoms and make them worse. Mm -hmm. Example is uh, antihypertensive medicine for the blood pressure people use is uh, calcium channel blockers, uh, which can reduce the lower esophageal sphincter and the acid reflux symptoms can get worse. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you know people who are on a lot of these medications, uh, they're in polypharmacy. So I always review their uh, list of medications and see if something is making their GERD symptoms worse. And then uh, we have another question. Uh, the question is, I have found that PPIs reduce pain, but not the vomiting. Do you feel like a diet change would curve these side effects or is much more needed? So PPIs are the medicines called proton pump inhibitors, which inhibit the acid production. So they lower the amount of acid that's produced in the stomach. So there is less acid in the stomach, so the less acid will back up. So when there's less acid backing up, um, then people will feel better because when the acid backs up, it can cause the esophageal spasm and the pain. So now, the regurgitation part is a mechanical problem, you know, because the sphincter remains open, hiat, diaphragmatic hiatus is open, sphincter is not closing properly, and things re keep regurgitating. 
whether there's acid or not acid, if the sphincter is open, the door is open, they'll regurgitate. So that's why PPIs are not going to help with the regurgitation. And the diet. And the, the diet. Yeah, the diet um, will not help much with that regurgitation. Whatever you will eat, it can back up. <clears throat> and I have one more question. Um, this person is having acid reflux more since they're taking uh, Norvasac. Norvasc. Um, that is yes, the example sorry, I gave. That, That's the medicine that, that reduces the roesophageal sphincter pressure. It's a calcium channel blocker for uh, high blood pressure. Perfect. Well, somebody watching is taking it, and it is, is definitely giving them more acid reflux. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn it back to Lynn. Um, we do have one question that I'm just going to throw out there. Uh, and I know um, Dahlia, once she's interviewed uh, introduced, will uh, talk about it. But people are wondering, at what moment did you decide to see a doctor and have the TIF procedure? So as you're telling your story, um, people are wondering um, what kind of made you take that next step. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Um, Delilah, just real quick before you start uh, with your story, Dr. Pruthi, uh, you touched on some of the medical therapy. Um, let's take a second just to introduce what the TIF procedure is and then we'll have uh, Delilah kind of talk about her journey and how she was introduced to the procedure as well. Very good. Um, <clears throat> now, we have been talking about the widening of the diaphragmatic hiatus, lower esophageal sphincter pressure, um, and hiatal hernia. And see, also normally, there is a small portion of the esophagus in the abdomen. So during the breathing and after eating, so that kind of works as a valve so that it gets compressed and contents don't back up. And in patients with GERD, that valve is effaced. So that valve is reduced. You know? um, now, how can we reconstruct these um, sphincter valves and, um, and redu reduce the hiatal hernia size? You know? So we have to intervene surgically. Um, previously, the, we used to do fundo, Nissan fundoplication where you know, endoscopically laparoscopically or with open surgery, they used to make the sphincter stronger. So now with the new procedure, TIF procedure, is called as um, transesophageal incisionless uh, or transoral incisionless fundoplication. That means we can go through the mouth with the instrument that um, is new approved by FDA, uh, made by Endogastric Solutions. <clears throat> so we go in and we can uh, put some staples or fasteners around it and wrap the stomach, uh, fundus of the stomach, roof of the stomach around the esophagus to enforce it and pull the esophagus down in the abdomen and fix it there. So that creates a um, esophageal junction that is stronger, gastroesophageal junction that is stronger and prevents the acid from backing up. So this can be done endoscopically only, but if the patients have hiatal hernia, then we need to fix the hiatal hernia surgically. So then this combined procedure called as a hybrid procedure where the surgical colleague, surgeon will go 
laparoscopically or robotically, they will uh, fix the hiatal hernia. And then gastroenterologists, I go in there and make the sphincter valve and uh, do the fundoplication uh, wrap. So it's a combined procedure works really good. Very nice. Thank you for that. I think that gives us a great segue to Delilah and your story. Um, from what we discussed early on, you were saying that you had, in fact, a hiatal hernia and uh, reflux. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd love to hear your story. How long did you struggle? When did you finally take decide to take action? How did you meet Dr. Prusi? All of it. Right. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Um, I'm very thankful to meeting Dr. Prudy. He's a life, life changer for me. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I've had uh, this uh, GERD for over 20 years. I've been struggling, struggling with it practically all my life. Um, I think if you're watching, you can relate to, I've tried every PPI out there. I've seen at least 10, you know, gastroenterologists, internal medicine doctors, and um, I haven't had anyone to really give me uh, a solution. The basic solutions, diet, um, you know, not eating certain foods, um, you know, pillows, you know, raising your bed, just different things that uh, you, you, you struggle with um, day to day. And uh, it, it, gets, it gets to the point where you do the diet, you do the exercise, uh, you do everything, and you're still not getting any better. Um, it's, it's just uh, not a good way to live. You, if you do happen to eat something that you're not supposed to eat, you, you pay for it at night. You, you have to stop eating after a certain time. You can't eat any longer. Um, and, and just when, like Dr. Bruthy says, when the acid does go up your esophagus, it burns. It can burn your, your throat. And the pain is just, it's just horrible, horrible. Um, even water. I, it, was, it got to the point where if I drank water at night, if I got thirsty, I had a choice drink water or, you know, stay and, and get acid in the middle of the night or, or go, go to bed thirsty. And uh, that's no way to live. Um, I just, you know, I just had it. I just, it was not, not a good way to live. I've always been searching for something and I happened to um, get something, actually uh, an email or something um, where it was for a trial for, for GERD and, um, and it happened to be Dr. Pruthi's office. Now, I didn't qualify for that particular trial, but he did an endoscopy for me. And he and he afterwards, you know, he came over to me and he said, listen, I'm sorry you didn't qualify for this, but come and see me. He came in his car. He goes, I think I can help you. And I said, oh, okay. So I, I eventually made my appointment. I went to see him and, uh, and I read about the TIF procedure because I looked them up. I did some research and I said, what's out there? And I did some comparisons. I actually went out there and then researched to see what was out there. And, um, you know, even some of the, you know, I think it was John Hopkins has a really good program for, for, for acid reflux, but it doesn't compare to the TIF. Um, I, I, when I looked at it, I, I thought this is for me. Uh, this, I'm, you know, I'm willing to do this. I, it looks promising. And um, I can tell you that's been a life changer. I did it less than three months ago. And uh, even right after the surgery, I, for the first time, I was able to lay down and sleep without any pillows and, uh, and, and drink water at night and, and all the water I wanted. And I don't haven't had any acid reflux since then. And I love it. It's been wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Thanks so for sharing that story, um, Lila. 
and then she has been off of PPA therapy. Actually, after we finished the wrap and finished the surgery next day, she said that no regurgitation, no acid reflux, no burning is happening. No. So we stopped the PPA therapy. Yep. Yeah, so he asked me, are you taking it? I said, I said, no, but I feel like I have to. I said, so I said, I took one and I didn't know why. I just took it because, you know, it says stop, <laughs> don't, don't stop taking the medicine until your doctor tells you. But I said, well, I don't want to take this anymore. I just, I don't have the need for it. And I just, they kept calling me, why do you refill? I said, no, <laughs> no refills for me. <laughs> It was probably very freeing to say, no, oh, I don't yes, need those anymore. Yes, yes. And ever since then, you know, it's just like, like anything else, you, it's, it's something new in your life. And I think I always compare it to some of the people who get like a transplant of anything. You want to take care of it. And, um, you know, I even asked Dr. Pruthi, are you sure I can't tear this? You know, can I eat this? Can I eat that? He goes, I put extra staples for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was great. I, I, it's been very good. I'm very happy. Extra love added on huh, Dr. Cruz. Yes. Um, Delilah, thank you for, for that story. Would, uh, what, tell us a little bit about your recovery. I know a lot of folks are interested in what is entailed in the procedure and what it's like mm -hmm. recovering after. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I, I you know, they did tell me the recovery was not going to be easy. Um, they gave me a, a strict diet that I had to follow. And um, I looked at it and I said, oh boy, I don't know if I can do this, but you know, if you've been dealing with GERD for a while and you, you're just tired, you're just tired of it, you're, you, you want a different lifestyle, the, the, the diet process uh, that you, they put you in is nothing. It's, it's, it's very doable. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, the first two weeks was the hardest because you're on a, on a liquid diet, but you know, you have to keep in mind that, that you want to make sure that you 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 have um, that heals. You know the valve that he reconstructs it heals properly, and it's so crucial. The first two weeks are so crucial that you know just follow the diet. It's you know it, it you're actually it's easy because you're not even as hungry as you think you're going to be. So uh, you follow it, you're good. You know, and uh, and at the same time you lose weight. So it's really good. <laughs> yeah, That's it's the plus. Good. Yes, but we don't promote it as a weight loss procedure, though. <laughs> no, it's not a weight loss, but but you know, but it, if you just follow it, um, it, it's important that you follow it. It's not easy, but uh, you have to keep in mind that if you you want it to be successful, you want to get off the PPIs, you have to stick to the diet. You just have to, and it's it's not um, like I said. If you want to get off the PPIs. Do it and you'll be fine. I really, I had success with it. I kept every day, I kept thinking, I want this valve to be healed. I want it 100% healed. Yeah, we have a diet uh, chart that we give every patient that tells them first week what food items they can consume, second week, third week, fourth week, and that's how they progress. And if they follow that diet chart and it works pretty good. That's wonderful. Well, it obviously worked for you, Delilah, and you're you're smiling and you're doing well. Um, do you have any favorite recipes that got you through that recovery time that you want to share? Um, I guess like, uh, well, the first week was, you know, just a water. I did water and sure and, um, and teas and uh, broths. So, um, you know, just, just do that, you know, and, and like I said, you don't, you're not as hungry. So just sipping throughout the day, you're good. Um, and then in softly, you know, slowly introduce the, the like Dr. Brady said, there is, a, you know, week, week, week one, week two, 
and you slowly introduce other other foods. Um, I think when you get to like third or fourth week, when you introduce like mashed potatoes and you're so happy. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it's not really um, for me the smoothies. I think it's the was the biggest thing. Um, adding protein to your to your drinks. Uh, you just you know it just becomes a habit after a while. It's it's good. Well, that's yeah. What I did. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. What would you say? Um, what would you say that this procedure, as far as what it gave back to your life? How would you tell the folks watching? Um, well, for one is, of course, no more pills, because if you think about the pills, um, the them themselves can you don't know what's going to happen in the future, you know, what it's doing to your body after so many years of taking those pills. Secondly, um, you you have to really consider about um, the asset that keeps burning the lining of your esophagus over time. If that doesn't stop, it's it's going to result in other problems that can be, uh, you know, fatal. So you really have to stop and think what is it I'm doing with my body and if you don't if you not the person that really can control your diet because like Dr. Bruthi said even controlling your diet it's like the mechanical part there's nothing you can do that's broken it's inside it's broken you got to get it fixed and if you have someone like Dr. Pruthi with this procedure that can help you why not do it because at the, on the long run pills or no pills that acid will burn into your esophagus and that's what scared me the most because I said, I don't want to end up with cancer, so I, I have to do this. That's a, that's a very good point, Delilah, you brought up. <clears throat> As the chronic acid uh, reflux continues, it damages the esophagus lining, it can turn into Barrett's esophagus lining, that can eventually turn into esophageal cancer. Um, so we have seen that the esophageal adenocarcinoma, the cancer rates are going up slowly over the last few decades. And um, there is, we think it's probably related to the acid reflux. Because our diets have changed, most of the diets now are you know high sugar, high fat, you know a lot of uh, additives, and those things uh, reduce the sphincter pressure, and the reflux gets worse. So over the years we have seen that acid reflux um, more and more severe, and more uh, people getting the disease process and getting the complications. Yeah, yeah. Thank so you. People for don't sharing. realize that even water, but the kind of water you drink. It has acidity levels, and even that can make make your um, reflux even worse. And so, yeah. And when you can't, when water is a problem, you know what? What's the quality of life at that point? So it's interesting to know what your drivers were to go do something about your condition. And we're so grateful you were able to find Dr. Pruthi and find uh, some reflux relief uh, through the TIF procedure and your experience. Um, we just can't thank you enough for sharing your story. So many folks are just like you, struggling for so many years and not really knowing what is out there for them. So um, it's wonderful to hear your story and uh, we appreciate that. And what you brought up was something we didn't quite cover and that's you know PPIs, potential long-term side effects on staying on them. We hear a lot about that, um, you know, dementia and some other things that you'll hear in the news that are potentially related. So folks are sometimes concerned. Mm -hmm. And then the other disease progression and what it could potentially lead to if you don't get it managed and controlled. Yep. Right, true. Yeah, so we're just, we're just. I'm just happy. I'm very, 
very happy, uh, different lifestyle. I don't have to worry about taking medicine. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, not that I can eat anything I want, but, uh, but, you know, but if I do eat something that normally I, I stayed away from before, even if I have it like maybe once here in a blue moon, it's not going to give me acid reflux, which is what I like. And I think I mentioned to you, I had a glass of wine the other day and I was yeah. like, I don't know if I should have this. And I had it and I was like, oh my gosh, I can have another, it's like, a, you know, it's like, you're free again. You feel like you have a life back. So thank you, Dr. Bruthi. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you you came and you uh, brought a different uh, light in our life and on a practice and clinic. She came as a research patient. It was very interesting. Oh, <laughs> because I'm, we do, I'm promoting um, the tip everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> because we do um, research on reflux disease also. Uh, it was interesting. Each experience is different and, and every patient is different. I think you both touched on the importance of just getting checked, getting evaluated so that you know that you know what's going on and then working with someone like Dr. Pruthi to find uh, what's right for you and what works for your specific condition. Um, I'll just pause for a sec to turn it to Karen. Do we have any other questions coming in, uh, Karen, that we wanna ask either Dr. Pruthi or Delilah? We do. We have a lot of questions. Um, I, I will condense some of them, but uh, we've got one question is, uh, will I still need to take medications after surgery? About 80% patients are off PPI therapy and rest of them reduce it dose significantly. Wonderful. Uh, we also have a question. Would GERD cause me to cough a lot for no reason? Why yeah. This cough is one of the extra esophageal um, symptoms for GERD. See, when the acid fumes rise up, they irritate the uh, voice box and larynx and upper airways, and uh, people get a chronic cough. Yeah, it's very common. And then I um, have a question. Uh, how long or on average does the post-procedure diet last before you're eating solid foods again? Um, we have a diet chart. Maybe like, let Delilah answer that question. Um, you know, it's quicker than you think. Uh, the first, like I said, the first week is all, all liquid. Second week, you can start introducing a little bit of smoothies, uh, some protein in there, so you really don't feel hungry. Uh, let's say about, about the third week is when you start getting a little a bit of solid food in there. Um, by the fourth week, you're, you're good. So it's really, I think it was a good 30 two days, about a month, and, uh, and you, that's when you can start introducing more solids. But a month and a half, you, you can start eating almost anything you want. You just have to be careful what you eat. Yeah, I agree. And your body will tell you. <laughs> one month. One month, people are back to their diet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we had another question. What about exercise? Yeah, we tell them to take it easy for uh, first month, and then because then they can do, because we, even though we don't cut people from outside, but there's a lot of work goes inside. Uh, about a month uh, recovery time and take it easy. Wonderful, we have um, one more question. How long does the TIF procedure last and can it be redone if needed? Yes, the procedure itself, um, if um, there's only TIF procedure, then about an hour, if TIF combined with cell hernia surgery, about an hour and a half to two hours. 
it depends on uh, the experience of the surgeon and the gastroenterologist and the team. So we have a good team now. Um, nurses are trained. We probably have done about 100 cases. Um, nurses are trained. The technicians are trained. Assistants are trained now. So everybody knows what step comes next. So everybody just does their job and move on. So about, I would say, under two hours, we can um, um, get them out of the OR. And then we keep them in the hospital for overnight. Yeah? And then next morning, if everything goes well, and we you know, do the swallowing test, and um, then we let them go home. It's overnight hospitalization. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And, and we do have a couple more questions come in. Uh, one is, um, is it normal for somebody to start having symptoms a year after their last EGD, and should they go back for another test? Yes. Um, I didn't answer your previous question completely yet. Um, the question was whether we can redo the TIF or not. You know, So it can be done. If the fasteners become loose or patient is getting symptomatic again, I can go back in and wrap it more. So it's very easy. Um, then what's the next the, the question that you have? Yeah, apologies. I um, I, I thought you had, um, you had finished the question. Um, our question um, that we have is, is it normal for somebody to start having symptoms a year after their last EGD? And um, should I go back for another one? Um, it depends. And the EGD per se uh, doesn't cause reflux symptoms, but depend what the reason was the EGD, previous EGD was done to look for ulcer or something else, and they did not have acid reflux at that time. Now they have new symptoms, acid reflux, so then they should go back to their doctor and get evaluated and then ask for the heart hernia, ask the right questions to the doctors also. Um, I always encourage my patients to write them, write down the questions because everybody is busy. The doctors are busy. They're running around and uh, clinic time is short. We have limited time, limited time interaction. So I always encourage my patients write the questions You know, bring a piece of paper or on their phones. OK, ask me all their questions. And then we have one more. Um, who is an ideal candidate for the TIF procedure? And, and I think they're asking a lot of what tests or diagnostic tests do they need to do prior uh, to seeing if they're a candidate? So the patients who have chronic acid reflux you know, and the sphincter is not working properly, there's a large hiatal opening there, or they have hiatal hernia, and um, they are good candidates for TIF. Now, people who are uh, controlled with medications, and they say, you know what, I'm on PPA therapy, and my symptoms are under good control, and but I don't want to take the medicine for the rest of my life. You know, uh, the youngest patient that I have done TIF on, I think, is 19, um, 19 or 20. Now, he had this hiatus opening was bigger, sphincter was not working properly, and I can't commit to him for PPA therapy for the rest of his life or any acid-reducing acid therapy. And he's young man, he has you know, life ahead of him. He wants to you know, do exercise and you know, go to college, whatever, whatever he wants to do in his life. And um, so we did TIFF on him and he's doing very well. It's all PPA therapy, <laughs> went to college, is an engineering That's school. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think I think we've answered most of the questions and I'll turn it back to you, Lynn. 
Wonderful, thank you. These are great questions. We we get a lot of interest in you know diet recovery, what they're able to do, who's a candidate, all of that. So I think you you both covered uh, covered that so well this evening. I we always like to ask if there's. I'll ask both of you, uh, Dr. Puthi, and I'll ask you too, Delilah. Um, if there's one thing you were to tell someone who's maybe on the fence and has been hesitant, what would you say, Dr. Pruthi, to someone like that? Um, if they're hesitant, then find out why are they hesitant? What do they want? You know, that's the difficult question to ask yourself. What do I want? Yeah. yeah. So ask yourself, what do you want? If you think, okay, the time is right for me to get the things done, go talk to the doctor, ask them all the questions, satisfy your queries, and uh, make a well-informed decision and go for it. I love it. And Delilah, how about you? For a patient who might be on the fence about moving forward, getting, um, getting a consult or even getting some kind of intervention like you did, what would your best advice be? Um, I would go back to you're living your life um, and you're miserable because it is misery. And how much longer do you want to live like that? For how much long, you know? And also, you know, you got to think about, again, the medicine you're taking. Because if you, it's those PPIs, even if it's over the counter, whatever it is, you're still putting medicine in your body that you may not need to. So for how long are you going to do that? Because when it gets chronic, and if you are chronic, how much longer do you want to live this? When there is a procedure out there that has been created that can, you know, take you off the medicine, that can give your life back to you. So what what is the hold up? You know, it's, it's just, you have like doctor said, doctor, you have to find out what that is. But don't be scared if the procedure is there. You know, I I was scared. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I, you know, was thinking about the alternative. And now that I went through it, I can tell you that don't be afraid. You should do it. It's it's well worth it. Take it. Take your life back. Oh, couldn't have been said better. And thank you so much, both of you, uh, for sharing your expertise, Dr. Pruthi and Delilah, for sharing your story. Um, we we have an app, a mobile app out there, too, for anyone who's interested in learning more about just reflux in general. It's loaded with videos and lots of information. You can download that on wherever you go for your apps. Um, it's, it's called GERD Help. It is a complimentary app that you can download and you can use it to index your, you know, your GERD journey, use it as a diary, and you can use it to have those discussions with your doctor. Reference back the last 30 days, how problematic your reflux has been and start that dialogue with your, with your physician to make sure that's part of your care plan. And if you're not in the um, area where Dr. Pruthi is, it's Lancaster, California, right, Dr. Pruthi? Yes. Yeah, Lancaster, California. If you're outside of Lancaster, California, we also have a physician finder on our consumer website, which is also chock full of information about reflux and the TIF procedure. It's called GERDhelp.com. Uh, you're welcome to go there. In the top right corner, there's a physician finder button. Plug your state in, your zip code, and uh, you can find a doctor, doctor just like Dr. Pruthi to help you as well. Um, I can't thank you both enough, Dr. Pruthi, Doc, uh, Delilah. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for all of you for being here and making this uh, episode so educational and special. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for ending everything.
You're, you're very welcome. It's been our pleasure. And uh, for those of you joining us tonight, thank you again for your questions. We hope this was informative. Please share it with your family and friends. And you can join us here every Tuesday for our Tip Talk Tuesdays. And we'll see you next time. Have a great evening, everyone. If you are suffering from chronic acid reflux and want more information, please visit GERDhelp.com or download our GERDhelp mobile app. Thanks for tuning into another episode of TIFF Talk. Leave your questions and comments on our social media at GERD Help. Live well, GERD free.